ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Cal Rivals Excellent Podcast Experience. My name is Dan Lay, and I am sad to announce that the Bears will not be going bowling this year. Mostly so since we it. closed the Albany Bowl in Albany. So. <laughs> the site of one, the one of old, but... Yeah. Uh, we filmed some legendary content there. The 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 Kevin Parker spinning pizza gif. Uh, the pandemic killed it, like a lot of places on that street there. So so unfortunate. Um, well, um, yeah, I don't one think one more a... week of this nihilistic exercise, don't we? Uh, we sure do. Um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of angles to take, but I think first things first. Like, gotta gotta talk a little UCLA. Um, I think there was a lot of ways for that game to go, but just being blown out in the fashion that they got blown out was highly discouraging. That was the among the worst of them. I, I, I don't know how to look at it other than they just they got beat in the second half there. First half, they did as well as they could, but just... When your offensive line struggles that much, your quarterback struggles to find guys, despite, you know, I do feel like there's some sound scheme there in place, but it just, it wasn't happening. And I usually will chalk it up to an off day, but, you know, you've had enough off days throughout the year that it needs to improve. They know that. And we'll see if there are any changes here in the next week. It the I mean the college football world's kind of turned upside down this week, but Cal's a Oof. week late to it because of everything. Um I mean this is why ultimately I know a lot of people uh were willing to chalk off the Arizona game as like freak accident, but you needed wins like that. Nevada was another like insurance win, right? Like that's those are the two games that, hey, you already would have six in the bag uh, and potentially would be playing USC for a seventh, right? Like if you had taken care of business earlier and being beat by a UCLA team that's pretty good, you know, finishing the season at eight and four, which I think which I believe is a high under Chip Kelly. Uh, it absolutely, they haven't had a winning season under Chip. So, yes. well, you know, like like the like a program that's clearly. Uh-huh like up there for right now, um, whether, however legitimate you think that is, they've taken care of a business in a way that Cal hasn't. And there's no shame in that, except for the fact that this is compounded by the fact that you lost so many games before this that you needed to win. At the end of the day, I just, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot that could have happened earlier in the season to make it, one way or another but it didn't <laughs> so i don't have too much more to say than that um it's hard to have an opinion to be honest with you it's not ultimately like especially in this hiring cycle the program's in a bit of a holding pattern um yeah. you don't want to be hiring against some of the schools as i guess left although the 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 carousel's already turned somewhat right but uh justin wilcox will be back next year unless he takes another offer somewhere else 
and honestly, I don't see necessarily see a scenario where Cal is better off without Wilcox in 22, as opposed to now. You can talk about long term of the program at this point, but in the short term, I I just don't see it. Um, and I could I could agree with that. I think the problem is uh, seeing them reset, right? Like, and you'd lose a lot of good talent and whatever uh, by inevitable transfer if if he was to leave. He hasn't lost locker room yet. No, um, and he he won't because they believe in the guy and they know he he's the guy that'll go to bat for them. I mean, you saw the Wilner leaked audio stuff. And he's the one that's, you know, going to bat for them hard. And they know they have that guy in their corner. So um, it's just <laughs> we wanted and I think even the most like realistic or, or patient of us wanted to see some definitive like there are signs that the program can lift its ceiling under Wilcox. And um, she. He even had a chance to still do that with a win Saturday and and could have compounded that, obviously, into a win this week. Uh, but instead, us and USC will be playing for Pride. Uh, and likely with the Lincoln-Riley hiring, uh, the last and best shot at beating USC. I mean, random things are going to happen. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not I don't think out. like that. To be okay. honest with you, I know that yeah, they're going to recruit well. They already got the top one or two quarterback in the 2023 class to commit down there, and they'll they'll flip a few guys. But there's enough randomness from his time at Oklahoma, and I also don't think he's necessarily had to build a program. He had a foundation. He did very well with it, and he kept it moving. But building at USC is a whole different thing. Obviously, if you have the machine running correctly, like Pete Carroll did, like, I mean, Pete Carroll's the one to really have going in our lifetimes. You can do a lot. But again, it's not going to be perfect down there. It never is. There's always going to be an Oregon State to come out of nowhere and smack you while you're on top. Or in Lincoln Riley's case, Iowa State the one that did it it it's not over by any stretch of the imagination and i don't know just some the way of that way of thinking bothers me i apologize for saying so but no 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 like that's totally totally fine um and i don't mean to sound so defeatist about it right like i'm gonna keep showing up to those games and then because you know, even when Cal and USC might have been wildly mismatched, uh, 15 in a row is not exactly uh, historically precedented until until the recent era. So uh, I'm also buying some time as Trace maneuvers his way through the house to what appears to be a more secure location. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I like to get the dog from barking. To put it to put it a different way, um, Cal is favored against USC, which has not happened in I believe either of our lifetimes. And so this might be the last time in a while, uh, in that regard, where they have a decisive edge going in. That's fair. And you know, I I was remembering this morning that the 2003 game, the first and the last time that they won 
uh, at home um, was one of my first Cal football memories. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we told that story uh, in our vault series earlier this year. Uh, for, any, the vault series. for any sociopaths who want to go back and listen to that, uh, why? Uh, but in short, um, I didn't get to watch the game because I was at Saturday school uh, learning Vietnamese. But I did come home that day to see the recap on ABC7. And that's really the first time that I knew anything about Cal football and and to to see the highlights of that game. So um, it would be cool to close my time um, as a writer of the program, like uh, with with a win over my most hated school. Um, That would be fun. I'm making my fiance Allie uh, wear her Cal gear instead of her USC gear on on Saturday. And, you know, it's going to be a weird time. 8 p.m. kick. Yeah, we're going to, God, I'm not going to leave the press box until after one, which does not sound fun. I I will say that 2003 game, that was the first time I was ever allowed to storm a field. (laughs) I was old enough to be allowed to storm a field. Uh, My mom sent me down there with my brother, and I had hurt my foot earlier in the week, so I was running and limping down there. Just... (laughs) Trying to figure out what do you do during a field storming? Do you celebrate? Do you like try and find a player and high five them? Do you? I don't know what to do here. I still don't know, and we've done it like twice. I've, I mean, I've done it like three times in my life now. I, I still uh, have no idea. I haven't stormed a field since 2009, so it's been a bit. Uh, it was the big game that year. I remember I went and high-fived Matt Rios, who was the Cal long snapper at the time, who would later get kicked off the team while I was working there for smoking too much pot. So. <laughs> uh, apologies to anybody in the, you know, if, if that still uh, dredges up some bad memories in Matt Rios's universe. Uh, but He's not any, to this. I know, but in, like, what I found with those field stormings, and I'm not ruling it out. I mean, I know both teams are four and seven, but when you haven't beat USC at home in a decade and a half, you know, we'll see. I don't know what the protocol is here. Like, I just stroll to the 50, and then I look around for people that I know because I don't want to be in the pile. Right? I don't. Yeah. I don't want to be in the pile. It smells like crap in there. Um, I don't like talking to players because I just feel like it's important for me to have this layer of distance if I want to write about them objectively. Uh, so I just kind of mill around and like soak it all in. So I just am bewildered the entire time. And it is an interesting experience as a whole, especially when I think you've probably done it more at opposing stadiums than at Memorial Stadium. Well, yeah. there's the Texas game, I guess. So yeah. Um, Notre Dame just hired Marcus Freeman, by the way. That's their that's their higher higher. Yeah, their oh, defensive coordinator is getting bumped. Oh, up. they're it, just giving they're just giving a promotion. It's something they should have done anyway. He's a good coach and he's as good of a recruiter as you're going to get. And holding it down for the half Asians too, half Korean. You know, Notre Dame suddenly the most Asian Power Five or I mean you know Power Five adjacent program in the uh, in. Because they have a quarterback who's half Asian, uh, Kyle Hamilton, half Korean. I I guess I should say Korean specifically uh, for Rob. And now they have a head coach, half Korean, half black. Um, I was not aware of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, 
Um, very, very cool for them. I don't know how they how South Bend immediately became the uh, breeding ground for the future of of Asian FBS football, but it's gonna make it slightly harder. I don't know. I honestly, that might be a big part of it. But um, you know, congratulations to him. Uh, that's one part of the hiring cycle down, and now OU has to play next year with the new head coach. Yet another, yet another. Oh, it'll be Washington, USC. And now Notre Dame. Whoever else they're playing next year, I could not tell you off the top of my head. UC Davis, and then who's Davis? the... Who, Are they playing Auburn? Or, no, no, I don't it's think Notre Auburn's Dame. next year. Auburn's 23. Yeah. Okay. Davis, I want to say UNLV, and then... Yeah, yeah, that, that feels right. And then the standard slate of, of schools. Oh, Jake Dickert, technically. Oh, yeah. Head coach. Um, he's done very well up there. Yeah, good, good for him. Uh, you know, and he's vaccinated. We we love that. We love that for him. Um, you know, we're, we've been kind of dallying around here, folks. Uh, just I think because nobody is excited to discuss the prospect it is before. It's a bit of an nihilistic pursuit. I was not joking. You know, I I feel somewhat glad that in the last few seasons in which we've done this pod, the games have always had stakes, and we've not had a lot of situations where the games were largely meaningless and um i know that there will be people who's like just tuning in for what appears to be like nothing is on the line but a lot is on the line here um you do want to beat usc obviously because cal hasn't done it you do it for all the seniors who won't be coming back the elijah hickses cam goods the josh Drayton's, marcel dancy's I'm obviously missing a lot of guys in that, so I'm going to bring Deltoso. up Deltoso. Uh, Scott, potentially. Scott. Um, I made a whole list of this the other day to see who probably won't be back, who won't be back, all that fun stuff. So, like this game matters, even if it isn't for any trip in December, because the amount of FBS football that's promised to you is very precious we're going to be back into the doldrums again real soon and you guys will all be missing like playing the fight song and the revelry and all of that stuff and if you can come say goodbye to the seniors uh you definitely should so elijah hicks josh drayden luke beckett cam good val lindino deltoso keikoa crawford trayvon clark marcel dancy and the mayor daniel etter are the ones who have exhausted their eligibility. And that's Dang, not in, Coin yeah. Dang could technically come back. I don't see it happening. But as far as decision to make, Dang, Colin Moore, Chase Garbers, Ryan Glover, Chris Brooks, Nico Romijo, Jake Tonjes, Gavin Ryan. Chris could leave. That's he's, new a, he's a senior. Wow. It doesn't feel like he's he a senior a code because here, but he's yeah. a senior. Okay. I think that's probably why I was like surprised. I was like, I don't feel like we've seen as much of him as we probably should have. He's one of the few 2018 guys to, you know, play all three years. And that's him, Nico, and technically Aaron Maldonado. But I think he'll redshirt. You have, um, let's see, Sammy, Sammy Nazal, who hasn't really played at all. Um, Matt Horowitz, who's a fifth-year walk-on, has a COVID year. Brandon Smith, same thing, has a COVID year. Daniel Scott. Uh, walk on 
uh, Nico Ramos, who is a transfer kicker from Princeton. Uh, Shan is staying, and Bimage, they're trying to get a waiver for, but who knows if that'll actually work. So those are the guys, ostensibly, who they're playing for. And a lot of those guys who return this year, you know, the year has not gone the way that they would have hoped either. Um, I think it's cool to be able to be able to cheer them on one more time, you know, like sure. before, like Elijah Hicks had his best year as a Cal player this year, you know, like wanted to win that game against UCLA so badly. Scott, same thing. The fact that they're all PFF first team Pac-12, the likely, they'll, they're almost certainly headed to some level of all Pac-12 status this year between the two of them. Um, also want to point out, honorable mention Jeremiah Hunter as a true freshman who didn't play the last two games. Like Three games, really. Yeah. yeah. Hasn't played since, I want to say, Oregon State. Maybe before that. The kid... Kids, good people. Like you'll you'll see next year when the depth chart is clear and and um, I don't gonna know what's gonna happen. Gonna be him and Sturdivant starting across from each other because Sturdivant is starting to come on. I know he hasn't had a catch yet. He will this week, I believe. But nothing left to lose. You can see him outrunning new senior UCLA corners. So if that's not telling, I don't know what is. Um. But you know there's stakes, and maybe they'll they'll kind of roll with some of the youth, or or at least give them give them more shots, just because you're into development mode, and you're not going to get the bowl practices. So get get some guys on film, get you know some snaps out there uh, <coughs> as you start preparing for the next generation. Like this game still matters. It certainly matters to me, and I'm lucky again that it's been several seasons since I've had to talk myself into. Showing up at a game with no stakes, but uh, it's, you know, it still matters. It's SC. Yeah, and you got the Joe Roth game. You got the fancy jerseys. You got, uh, they're honoring Dog Turner during the game. They have, uh, a, uh, like, a bust of a fist yeah. outside yeah. the locker room. Yeah. They will unveil that. I, I do know who the hand is, but I'll have to tell you later. Who's so, the hand? That's 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 for uh, that's for crate that, platinum that's, people. That's classified information up until, you know, the day where I stopped doing this. So. <laughs> um. Anything else? I don't know. Like I I don't know if it serves any I guess real we can purpose. Talk about the players involved. Jackson Dart's gonna start at quarterback for USC. True freshman. Been very good when he's played. He's not perfect obviously is and no true freshman really is he, they don't have drake london right now because he got hurt he was an absolute nightmare for everyone they played now uh gary bryant has been doing a lot of heavy lifting you have uh Tosh washington who is a transfer from memphis uh, a couple other guys whose names escape me moment triggs the tight end if he's not injured he'll be doing stuff and then defensively they have uh, Drake Jackson, Corey Foreman, Kanai I feel Malga. like I feel like Drake Jackson has been there for like 15 years. And he's he's still very good. Like they have Chris Steele, Isaac Taylor, Stewart back there amongst the defensive backs. There there's plenty of talent on this USC team. There always is. It's just a matter of 
oh, hey, do we play like we want to impress the new head coach? Do we play for our guy, Dante Williams, who's, you know, I, I think they should work hard to keep him because he's one of the best recruiters in the country. But do they play hard for him knowing that, hey, maybe he's not coming back? Um, DB is his natural position, though, right? It is. It is. And they're already and, bringing there. There might I th- I think what I read was Riley's bringing his DB coach. There's the, rumors that they're bringing yeah. Roy Manning. Yeah. So if anything, Cal should probably try and go after him. But if there's an opening, of course, I do not want to insinuate anything at this point. Actually, I want to. Can I piggyback off that point for a second? Sure. I know people have been like, well, if Wilcox, and I know this is not an area of speculation that you really like to indulge in, so this is really just for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, Cal is in a tricky situation of needing to extend Wilcox at least by a year or two, uh, even if it's not much. And they assume that that must come with some sort of assistant change. Um but I'm looking up and down the roster, and I'm thinking, like, if that was going to happen, I don't see an obvious candidate right now because if you, and and again, I'm just going up and down here. I'm not advocating for anybody's firing. I just I can't see he and he might nudge them out the door, kind of like a like a find another job type situation rather than firing them. But it doesn't seem like defensively, everybody from top to bottom seems like they would be back. If he had his way, I don't see him replacing any of those guys. Um, Browning's probably one of one of the top two recruiters on the staff. Uh, Sermon, you know, struggled at times, but the defense you can probably slice it up in a way that looks like better. Yeah, which is what you want. Um, You know, not (laughs) not making any moves at DB, obviously, uh, just given what you you've coached up. Uh, out there with Isaiah Young um, and Lou Hearns, and and even the play of both safeties, like so, and Gamble, and Gamble. Uh, the 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 improvement of Gamble, even like I don't see any obvious candidates on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Offensively, Musgrave, for all of my issues with him, like running the ball and just like weird game flow or whatever, um, I feel like their wagons are pretty hitched to each other, for better or for worse. Um, and, you know, Aristotle Thompson, running backs have played well uh, when they've been given the chance to tote the rock. Uh, Burl is the best recruiter on the staff, uh, if it's not Browning. Um, and then I know people have always had issues with uh, the special teams play, but even that's, like, evened out over the last month and a half. So I personally, I don't know, and then Jeep, I mean, tight end play has been solid from a blocking standpoint, but... You know, and he hasn't even gotten his real guys in there yet. So I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I don't see obvious candidates, and I don't know what they're going to do with Angus, but uh, there'll likely be some sort of change just because there always is. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen of his own accord. Yeah, I I think if there's a change, it'll come via the, okay, get another job. We mm-hmm. won't fire you because we don't want to do that to you. Yeah. Type deal. So. And that's honestly the way you want to do things, mm-hmm. which, you know, I appreciate. People want blood from time to time. I get that. But I don't think it's necessarily, you know, you don't need to always be like that. 
but he doesn't know. strike me as somebody who who would just fire somebody like that anyway oh. but in terms of guys he might nudge out the door i don't even see obvious candidates yet and let's see i did have one thing to add on the run game point mm-hmm. i don't know if you saw mitch schwartz had like a little thread of tweets there's been something talking about why do coaches go to the run game repeatedly when it's mm-hmm. not working which is kind of the opposite of what you've said about bill musgrave but if you can find that he had yeah. a very illuminating thread on it yeah about, hey, it's not necessarily about you know success it's more about dominance Intention. yeah Intention. Um, yeah I and and that's what I'm saying. It's like you, because Chris with the with any more amount of carries, he always looks like he's about to break one, and he runs hard. And there's been several games this year, including Washington, when Chris Burks came off the bench cold and was ripping off runs, and then you switch back to it's just the feel for when to apply the run is very weird. Uh, that's just a consistent criticism that I've had. Uh, I think we all saw it again against UCLA uh, and even just like what worked in the second quarter and then suddenly no longer doing those things in the third and fourth quarter or at least attempting to do them. I understand UCLA is counter adjusting against that. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check out the Jeff Schwartz thing. But running the ball is also about a mindset. And um, I'm not one of those guys who just like, tries to be inconsistent and like changes things like this has been a consistent thread on this podcast and in my writing all year so and uh, I, the offensive line they love the run blocking ball. they love running Every the ball. offensive line loves run blocking yep. honestly my former football experience doesn't mean too much because i was not a particularly great football player but at tight end it's at times more fun to block than it is to go out and around one because the quarterback wasn't throwing me the ball anyway and two two, because you could probably get a nice down block yeah so actually one of the guys i played football with uh is the wide receivers coach at uh city college of san francisco and he sent two of his receivers to d1 this past week so it's a good deal congratulations to him both of them to unlv which hasn't been the best in the most recent years but still Listen, like any, any, yeah, anything you can do because JUCO to is also about bettering your family and bettering your fortunes, right? Like, and you know the next Trayvon Clark is waiting out there. Amongst, let's see, he may be the most successful JUCO receiver Cal has had in a while. To be honest yeah. with you, remember, remember when we started out the decade and it was Drake Whitehurst, like, nope, <laughs> from from CCSF, mind you. Um, all right, Trace, you have any? Do we have anything else for this week? I'm just trying to think of successful JUCO receivers in California. <laughs> I'm coming up with is Duran Tucker. Yeah, real illustrious history we got out here. Like technically, Kakoa went to a JC for a year but didn't play. So, mm-hmm. um, is that is that it for the week? Is that do we do we have everything? Pretty much, unless you want to talk basketball, which you don't. Um, I mean, do you want to give us a quick basketball update note? Uh, they're playing. Uh, tell me how State. bad it is. They're, I don't know. They're injured. They're Andre Kelly's a monster among men. Just he made. He seems to make everything. Other than that, not really 
you don't need to. I'll write something about it. We'll see. Well, um, well, you guys got it from there. Like, I'm really glad I don't have to compound my misery by also following Cal basketball. Like, I, I hear things every once in a while from you and Rob, and I'm just like, well, that sucks. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> and then I go about my day. Like, uh, it's it, it's a boundary that I've drawn for myself. I will it, only it follow. It gets me out of the house. I don't don't mind doing it. It's just a matter of we do the Zoom calls from sitting at press row while it's a little the distance is a little shorter than it is for football yeah or you know they're doing it from like the interview room down near the locker rooms and we're all the way up in press box that that distance is under a little more understandable but we're like 20 feet away in (laughs) in different rooms as far as doing the presser so Uh. i I know it's because they want to make sure people at home are getting it but yeah I don't know. It's a little. Hopefully, the world can go back to a little more normal, but probably not. Uh, well, get your shots anyway, people. I got All right. last week, so we are getting this some good a, phone this coverage is a, here. This is a double boosted podcast, people. And uh, I got a flu shot, so I, I still gotta get so. on that. Thank you. Um. All right, guys, uh, this is also, and I'll, I'll keep this brief and sweet, uh, this is also my final game as a writer for the Cal program. Um, whew, that feels really weird to say. I mean, I know everybody knew I was retiring, but um, so what does that mean for me? Uh, I am going to be pursuing other things uh, in my spare time. I'll continue to follow the program and tweet about the program, but... I will no longer be on the hook to say anything remotely intelligent. Not that I ever did in the first place, you know, like I just I, I've i had a really hard time enjoying post game things over the last 10 years because my mindset has always shifted to, well, let's put this in context. What does this mean? Um, how did this play out? Like was it? And, you know, 10 years is a long time. And I know I'm not the longest serving member uh, of the Cal writer universe, whatever it is. Uh, but I've been lucky enough to have people pay attention for this long, so thank you. Um, it's meant a lot to me that I was just some kid that showed up one day and I made all these friends and then all these people who became important parts of my life just because I was here. Um, that means a lot uh, to me, guys. Uh, and Trace and I are avoiding eye contact on this because this moment is 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 too intimate. But um, it's hard to look into the camera. I have trouble with that normally. Um. So, you know, I, I'm glad that we get to go out one more time and do this, and I'll be at the tailgate, and you can come say hi to me, yell at me, whatever it is that you've wanted to say for the last 10 years, I'll be around, because I want to enjoy uh, what it is that we got to accomplish together, you know, like, um, and yes, Kat, like, I never wrote about a winning team, and I am sad for that, believe me. Uh, but you know, in life, you don't get to pick the stories you get chosen to write. So I will be around. Um, I will continue to pursue my writing in other avenues. And I hope that you're interested in checking out what I have to say beyond being a Cal football writer. Um, but it's been an honor and I'm really glad that I got this long to tell the stories of the program. And I, um, am happy to pass that on to the next generation. I don't want to sound too cheesy, but I'm fairly certain everybody is very glad that they've had you around to do it. 
Oh, that's too much, Trace. All right, let's let's take a step back. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Um, Just like Gary Patterson. Yeah. Uh, that was well, the name it, of his uh, dumb country song. <laughs> uh, I actually didn't know that. This is a good be- good good piece of uh, good piece of trivia. Uh, I hope Gary's happy. I mean, he's probably yeah. not because he he got tanked. His job has been taken over by the guy who beat him. So. I mean, that's just good wrestling. That's good booking. <laughs> no, that that was the thing because SMU and yeah. TCU have the rivalry for their yeah. like it's a skillet, skillet yeah. because Texas is weird. Uh, but they tweeted, "Take a step back after they beat TCU this year." Wow, wow, that's fun. Well, good luck. To, I do hope we get that return game against TCU, though. Um, well. In any case, uh, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the pod. That it does. All right, guys. Saturday night, 8 p.m. All right. Don't even fighting. know. Don't even know what. Yeah. It's, not only is it all right for fighting, but I have no idea what network it's on. Oh, You'll figure it out. Thank you. Um, I thought last week's game was on Pac-12 Network. is very embarrassing. <laughs> um, so Fox Sports One, 8 p.m. Uh, we'll see you in the doldrums. Let's get weird and wrap up the season together. Thank you and go Bears.